it's a pretty large book. And um, it, it um, we're going to cover today, we're just going to cover the first 39, which is the Assyrian period, the conflict and victory. The prophecies concerning Judah and Jerusalem, the first 12 chapters, and then um, prophecies concerning the nations, 30, 13 to 27, and then uh, deliverance found not in Egypt, but in the Lord. That probably has pretty much to do with Isaiah. And historical interlude is the 36 to 39. And then uh, another time we'll do the Babylonian period, hope for troubled times. And... Um, So here's the first 39, God's judgment against Judah and the hope of Emmanuel. So throughout, throughout Isaiah, he brings in judgment and then he brings in hope. So that the exiles, people in exile, see hope at the end of the end of the road. So Sorry, this is not bigger than that, but basically um, God's people were basically in Israel and Judah. Uh, Israel's in the, the north, the ten tribes, and then the southern tribes are, the, are Judah. And um, there was quite a bit of issues there. Uh, started out with, uh, we have a jealous God. What does he hate? He hates idols. You know, competition. yeah, competition, right? So, um, and 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 the Israelites, you know, they were in Egypt first. They came over, and what did God give them? The Promised Land. And what were they supposed to do? Conquer. Conquer. He he actually gave them. If you if you read the Old Testament, it gives you the boundaries of each section, and that was what they were supposed to do. Is they're supposed to clear out the land. And why was that? It was because they were, messed, they were into idolatry, they were into uh, uh, child sacrifices, and all these things that the Lord just detested. And so... Um, well, te technically, they were supposed to take all of the land west of the Jordan River. Right. All of it. Yeah. And... Um, and they, a lot of them took it, and, and they did get rid of some of the people, the Canaanites, which are all the, doing all these weird sacrifices and things. They were supposed to even take the land of the Philistines, mm -hmm. which they didn't. Right. But the, the land that they were given to take, they, they, they were very um, docile in that because they just didn't, want to do it. So some of them did a pretty good job. Others didn't do a very good job. And what happened is they enter, ended, ended up intermarrying and they started worshiping all these idols and things. And so that's what we see here is that um, Israel and Judah both uh, started worshiping idols. Now, Israel had 20 kings, I, th I think it's, uh, or Israel had 19 kings, I'll forget which one it is, and then one of them had, had 20. But Israel, the northern kingdoms, all their kings were bad. 
that did evil in the sight of the Lord. All of them. All 19 or whatever. And then the Judah, they were, they had mostly good kings. They had a few bad kings too. So, anyway, so. I could almost understand that, okay, what they did made God angry, but there are a few times where it says they did it to make God angry. It's like, what are you thinking of? <laughs> well, we're going to hit a few areas where they, we hit a few good kings. But um, So Isaiah was God's spokesman to both Judah and, and, and Jerusalem at a time when the nations were immersed in sin. He spoke God's indictment against their sins, urging them to repent. He then foretold destruction upon them if they did not return to God. And in the midst of all these dire warnings, he foretold a bright future with a coming Messiah. Uh, God would not forget his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David. And he would, would spare a remnant of the nation of Israel out of which he would come the Messiah in the new kingdom. His name means salvation of the Lord and is certainly symbolic of this message, of his message. He uh, described in the, described as the son of Amos, and to whom the Bible reveals nothing. Uh, he was married and he had two sons, and tradition says that Amos was the brother of Amaziah, son of Josiah, and uh, who was king of Judah, one of the kings, and he would make Isaiah a close, and that would make Isaiah a close relative, and um, would um, who were kings, and so he had kind of he was kind of raised in a situation where he he knew a lot of the kings, and he was he was raised with those kings. So um, two major themes run through the book. There is an exhortation to trust in the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. And uh, faith in the Lord would show forgiveness of their transgressions and deliverance from their enemies. Eight times the people were urged to wait upon the Lord. Uh, the Messiah to come in the glory of this age is another dominant message. So that was the second one, is the Messiah is to come. Um, he, he spoke frequently of the events to come, foretelling all of the fall of the heathen nations and the establishment of the kingdom of, of Messiah, who would rule in justice and righteousness. His favorite designation for Jehovah was the Lord of hosts. And um, another, one, another one that he used was um, the Holy One of Israel. It's used in um, the book 25 times. And it's um, in the Old Testament and six times in the New Testament. So the Assyrian period, which is when we're going to talk about chapters 1 through 39, the prophet proclaims the Lord's indictment against Judah and Jerusalem and the coming judgment against them. He portrays the sovereign rule of the Lord of hosts who judges not only Israel, but heathen nations as well. He prophecies that the Lord will use Assyria, Babylon, and the Medes to execute his purposes and afterward judge each of these nations each of these among other nations, bringing them desolation because of their sins. So, 
What is the main frequency, frequency, the Isaiah's frequency called? What is Isaiah's frequency called? What does it mean? He's a messianic prophet. I don't like the way that was worded. So what did he do? He's, he was king he, during the kings of Judah. Uh, he prophesied both in Jerusalem, Jerusalem and, and uh, Judah. And he served from 739 to, to 690 B.C., 50 years, basically. So um, other prophets that were contemporaries during his time were Hosea and Micah. Hosea to Israel and, and Micah to Judah. And, um, and so in those days, uh, there's a lot... There's a lot in those chapters, but there's a lot more in, in uh, Kings and, and Chronicles about these two, um, these, all these activities that went on there. But um, Judah, he turn, turned for help in the days of King Ahaz. He turned to Assyria. Remember, Assyria is up here. Babylon is over here, and um, those are the, probably the king and the Medes. Medes are always also over here. Um, so Samaria fell first, uh, fell first um, into captivity. So both of these nations were did evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, at, at least part of the times, and uh, I'm thinking of Judah. But um, so they, the Lord told them eight times that he was gonna, they were going to go to exile if they don't change. And they didn't, and so they went into exile. And um, the first thing was Assyria came down and took Israel. And then Babylon came over and took Judah. So um, the two major themes running through the book were trust in the Holy One of Israel and Messiah to come and the glory of his age. So we're going to talk about courtrooms here just for a minute. Um, talk about God's judgment. And in our courtroom, we go into a courtroom... What do we find? We find that people have biases and um, lots of different things that we don't find in God's court. <laughs> what does God know? He knows everything. He knows our thoughts, our heart, and, and so forth. So um, all the personal biases and preferences and stuff that happen in a civil court uh, is totally different than in God's court. So when God judged, um, so, well, anyway, in these chapters, especially 1 through 6, Isaiah ushered Jerusalem and Judah into God's court. And basically, God would send purifying fire and judgment in the form of nations to uh, oppress and conquer uh, these nations. Uh, Judah's kings and people rebelled against God and his grace and um, broke God's laws, 
and, if, and resisted his loving correction, failed to live rightly in God's covenant, as God's covenant people, and uh, wickedness overtook the nations and the nation of Judah. And their meaning, meaningless worship and detestable to God were detestable to God and no longer listed. He no longer listened to their prayers. And amidst his indictments, God offered a tender plea for his people to repent. And um, Judah's haughty pride would cast down as God was about to reverse their fortunes and bring intense suffering. Their, their pride was about to reverse their fortunes. Okay, so they, were, they thought they were doing pretty well, but they were totally... Um, against God, the, the evil in his sight. And their disobedience led the way to God's righteous judgment in the form of conquering nations. And the devastating judgment displayed the character of God Almighty. But the Lord Almighty will be, this is in Isaiah 5, 6, it says, uh, the Lord, but the Lord Almighty will be exalted by justice and the holy God will be proved holy by his righteous acts. And uh, in chapter 5, it talks, of pe talks about the people saying good's evil and evil's good. Does that ring a bell to anybody? <laughs> so God's purifying grace prepared his humble servant Isaiah to repeatedly declare God's frightening message of coming judgments. And the holy seed, which was God promised, would sprout from the charred stump from the line of David, which was Judah, right? And I wanted to give you a, a kind of a feel for um, the, the writings of, of um, Isaiah. How did Isaiah get his job? Anybody have an idea? I'm going to have... Um, Question. Who, who will go for him? Let's close. <laughs> Terry's going to read uh, chapter 6 for us. We'll read that. Ready? Uh -huh. <clears throat> Isaiah 6. Wait a minute. I don't have any sound. Well, Yellow. This is green. Okay. Oh, there we go. All right. Isaiah 6, 1 through 13. In the year that King Uzziah died... I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. Okay, one, one second here. So what we have is Isaiah had a, a vision. He actually was in heaven, the throne room of heaven. Okay, go ahead, Terry. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. And then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. I do dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. <clears throat> then flew one of the seraphims unto me, 
having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips. Thy iniquity is taken away. Thy sin is purged. So one of, just a minute here. So one of the things that happened is, so he's in the, he's in the, he's in the throne room, and what's the first thing he says? Whoa, woe is me. I'm unclean, you know, as I speak. I, I speak unclean things, and I'm around unclean people. And so he's, he's, he's concerned that he's fearful because he's in such a holy place. And, um, and then this seraphim comes by and, and has a live coal they took from the altar and placed it on his lips for an instant. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Terry. Eight. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he said, and he answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. And the Lord have removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. But yet in it shall be a tenth, and it shall return, and shall be eaten, as a teal tree and as an oak, whose substance is in them, when they cast their leaves so, the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. Okay, so um, so the exile came, a tenth were left, and um, they took. If you you know if you think about um, Daniel, he was one of them, and his buddies, and they were all taken to um, Babylon, and um, so God gave Isaiah a beautiful picture, also in the following verses of the, of the, the beautiful uh, restoration of Jerusalem and Israel. And um, and he mentioned, he mentioned that since destruction cannot erase the, the rescue and the glorious abundance the Lord has preserved for his people. And then um, as we start uh, chapter 7, we're talking about through Isaiah, God foretold the downfall of Ahaz. Ahaz was probably the worst king uh, of, of Judah. He was, um, he, he basically brought back Ahaz. He went up to Syria, scouted things out, saw them all worship all these idols, and brought that back to Judah. He, he took their temple pushed it aside in the altar and built this huge idol for, for the people of Judah. So they were worshiping these idols, this, this idol that they had, and, um, and he, 
enhanced the high places and just did everything opposite of what God would want. And so, so they were in trouble. And um, so um, he pulled, so so through Isaiah, God foretold the downfall of of Ahaz and promised he would preserve David's royal dynasty uh, in the lineage of the promised Messiah, even though he was going to send those people to exile and, and punish them for what they've done. He was going to make sure there was a remnant there. So um, in Isaiah 7.4, re- records the beautiful and often quoted Messianic prophecy. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. God fulfilled this, this uh, mysterious promise when the angel announced the birth of God's son to Mary. So a humbled people would emerge from the darkness to the light um, brought by God's own son. And the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. This is a quote from Isaiah 9-2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. So Isaiah's prophecy blends the truth about Jesus' first coming as sin's sacrifice with predictions of his second coming when he will reign. So he does both the uh, predicts what's going to happen now and he predicts what's going to happen in the future with the, the Lord coming. And, and of course, like so often, it's almost like what I've heard is you've got two mountains right. of both periods and people practically mistook the fact that they, did, they didn't both happen at the same time. Right, one happened first. And they saw the first one most closest to them, but they didn't see the coming. Mm-hmm. And it took theologians years to <laughs> figure this out, all of us, right? Mm-hmm. So out of a scorched stump of a defeated nation, which was you know, the stump of Jesse, the life-giving sprout would burst forth, bringing life and light to the world. She would come out of the stump of Jesse, from his roots to a branch that will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, um, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Isaiah eleven three. His promise finds fulfillment in God's own son. So with God's anger turned away, his people will thrive under the rule of the son's and songs of praise. And that day, it says in, in Isaiah 12, it says, uh, in that day you will say, I will praise you, Lord, although you were angry with me. Your anger turned away, and you, ha- and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself, is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. So then we get into um, the sovereign judgment and hope of the nations in, in Isaiah 13 um, through 23. He presents a series of poems that he does. Um, and these poems uh, go 
go over the sins and the record of God's judgment on the nations that surrounded them. So when Judah was being, when they, when they were attacked by Babylon and taken into exile, and when Israel, the northern tribes, were taken away by Assyria, God did not leave them alone. God punished them. And the, the um, Israelites, let's talk about the northern king for a minute, Israelites were there, and, and they were being uh, taken into exile by Assyria. And then Isaiah prophesied that Assyria would be taken by Babylon. So that was good news to them, because their enemy, which was Assyria, was being attacked by someone else. So they had some good news from Isaiah. It didn't happen yet. He prophesied it, and it came true. So the prophesy uh, uh, warned Judah that Assyria would fall. This is a little ahead of that. And the people in Isaiah's day would have found comfort in God's knowledge and the power of the nations that troubled them. All the people stand accountable to God, whether they recognize it or not. And then chapters 24 to 27 offers uh, promises and praises regarding God's ultimate victory over the evil. So, so Isaiah is, is an is a interesting book. It goes back and forth. And, um, but um, future victory awaits those who turn to God for refuge is really the theme of that part. So Isaiah 28 to 39 talks about the God's woes and warnings and um, Israel's theme of impending judgment. Uh, Isaiah offers a series of woes, pronouncements of judgment, filled with sorrow and grief. And God brings life and death and beauty out of that brokenness. And um, Isaiah 35, 6, it says, Then the lame will leap like a deer, and mute tongue shout, will shout for joy. Uh, water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. But only the redeemed will walk there, and those um, the Lord has rescued will return. And so then it, it actually has the uh, information about, Zion, about Hezekiah. And um, Hezekiah was a, was a good king. But he had some faults too, right? <clears throat> so uh, we, we went over... As, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's next. Before they did that, they got attacked by Babylon... And um, and it so happens that they were looking to Egypt for help, Hezekiah. And then Isaiah came to Hezekiah and said, whoa, you look to the Lord for help. You don't look to Isaiah or to Egypt. And sure enough, uh, he said, okay. So he surrendered in, to the Lord. And so... Babylon came to take them over, and there were hundreds of thousands of people there at their walls. And um, 
Hezekiah had, had had a hint they were coming, and so he fortified everything and got everything going and, and uh, worked with the water system and so that the, he said, why should, why should the, the enemies have the water? And so he stopped up all the wells and did everything he could to, to keep from being, you know, taken over. So, um, but uh, the enemy was haughty and said, look, we've taken all these other cities and their gods didn't stop them. How is your God going to stop us now? And so they, so they offended the Lord. And so the Lord defended Hezekiah. So these people were surrounded the city. And the next morning, 185,000 died of, of, the, of the Babylonians that were surrounding the city. They died. And so they hightailed it out of there. Of course, as an engineer, I'm thinking, what do they do with all the bodies? You know. So, excuse me, I had to interject that. Anyway, um, so they went away. So God saved them, and then and then the Babylonians came to see what was going on, and so they just they wooed a little bit to Judah. And so Judah, uh, Hezekiah went in there and he showed them all their treasures. This is where you talk about Glenn. Uh, Glenn. Showed them all their treasures and all the things they had. What happened was after the battle, everybody thought it was so great, they started giving him money. And so they started uh, giving Hezekiah. So he became very wealthy. And uh, his pride got him. And so when Babylonian came, Babylonians came, he showed them all this all this wealth that he had. And um, they remembered. Only it was about 100 years later that he came back and they took him. It was kind of interweaving story here. Anyway, um, so and then chapter 39 offers uh, primarily a message of warning to Judah. And then um, destruction of Israel and Judah actually moved God's redemptive plan forward. And the root of hope and life sprouted from the scorched stump of Israel's tree to benefit all mankind. The holy seed, the promised king, would rise from the charred roots of Jesse and Judah and glorify um, fulfilled and fulfilled God's promises, basically. So, Isaiah message, his message mirrors the gospel truth that God calls his children to acclaim. Sin yields dire consequences that require God's judgment, and God sent his son as the savior for all who place their faith in him. Uh, God's redeemed people have blessed life on earth and anticipate God's glorious future. God and his plan remain unstopped. Jesus Christ is the only source of hope. Isaiah's words present a timely message for a world that rejects, rejects the concept of sin and thought of judgment. I don't know too many people, I don't hear in the news anything about God 
that's God's coming uh, or any message that um, doesn't reject God. So... Okay, there's a, I don't know if we can see this, but uh, let's, let's try to see a few of the messages of, this is, I apologize, I can't really see this very well. It came out kind of funny when it transferred over to um, PowerPoint, but it's just a list of the kings of Judah and, and Israel. But that's what I wanted to do is uh, actually give you some of the prophecies and some of the things that they, that were um, worth mentioning. So this is, uh, this is comparing some Old Testament prophecies in the New Testament. So therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. And in Matthew, well, while he was, while he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take thee, Mary, thy wife, for which he is conceived in her, of the, is of the Holy Spirit, and she shall bring forth his son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which interpreted is God with us. Another one is one we all recognize. Uh, For unto us a child is born. This is Isaiah 9. 6 through 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And then in Philippians 2, 9 through 11, it says, Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given the name, him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth, and that the tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One more here. Uh, and there shall come, this is Isaiah 11, and there shall come forth a, a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and the branch shall grow out of his roots, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding Make him a quick understanding of the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and reprove with equity the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, and shall he slay the wicked, and the righteous shall be 
the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness, the girdle of his reins. So this gives you an idea of Isaiah, and that's, of course, uh, in Matthew 13, 3, 13 through 17, it says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and lighting upon him, and a voice from heaven saying, This is my Son, whom I am well pleased. And so, I think there's one more. Isaiah 11. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an sign to the people. It shall to it shall the Gentile seek, and his rest shall be glorious. And so Romans uh, says, Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the prophecies made unto the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. And as it is written, for this clause I confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. And again he said, he saith, Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. And again, Elias says, saith, uh, There shall be a root of Jesse, and that he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. Now the God of hope fill you with joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. So these are just some of the passages of Isaiah that I was uh, wanting to, to uh, go over. Okay, so Jesus gives us the power to live an earthly life that demonstrates his grace and power. And uh, the wonder of God's Son should capture our hearts and orient our lives. Jesus is the answer, the only one worthy of our worship. That concludes today's message of Isaiah. I hope you know the first 39 verses of Isaiah was all about. Very hard to, to uh, comprehend, actually. You have to really study that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your prophets and the Old Testament that gives us hope and, uh, Father, helps us to, to see the truth of what's happening and what will happen. And Lord, we just need you so much. We just continue to pray, Father, for your, your uh, blessed hand upon our hearts and our, our souls. And Father, that we might uh, become more like your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. study Isaiah is the fact that the 39 chapters of Isaiah in the first part line up with the 39 books of the Old Testament. Yes, that is true. The 27 books, the 27 chapters of the second half line up with the 27 books of the New Testament. Isn't that amazing? Surprise, surprise. 26, 66 books. Yeah. And 66, 66 chapters. chapters. <laughs> yeah, that's somebody pointed that out. That was really yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah. Okay, well, God bless. We'll just uh, take a break here and be ready for our morning service. <laughs>